Welcome to Radio Beacon, the podcast of Beacon Communications. I'm Dan Kittredge, editor of the Cranston Herald, joined as always by Jake Morocco, editor of the Johnston Sunrise. Jake, good morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm all right. How about you? Not too bad. Hanging in. It's Friday. We are uh, here rapidly moving through the month of May, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I know I think I mentioned it last week, but the, uh, the, the, the way that April seemed to drag on has really... Uh, uh, contrasted with the way May seems to have flown by. I don't know if I'm alone in that perception, but I thought uh, I thought April didn't go by that slowly. But March March is probably the March 2020 probably the slowest month of my entire life. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it, it's strange to you know when you get a minute to sit back and just think of uh, you know I don't I forget what week we are in this crisis now. We're about to enter the fourth month, but uh, you think about you know where it's been and. Um, just kind of those early days in March, especially, you know, thinking back to how it, you know, it was kind of escalating in the sense of kind of uncertainty and dread. Um, I mean, those things remain, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a very, it's a very strange time right now. Uh, and continues to be, but, um, we are, uh, as a state moving toward more of a degree of normalcy, the big, uh, Big headlines from this week on the state level have surrounded uh, moving to phase two of the state's reopening plan. Um, it's set to begin on Monday and uh, June first, and um, in the governor's words, it's going to involve you know virtually all segments of the economy, aside from uh, those that are dependent on large groups and gatherings, big events, stuff like that. Um, so the, her her briefings this week have focused a lot on. On that, um, on uh, the reopening RI website, there is a ton of information um, regarding specific industries and how they'll be uh, allowed to to reopen, what rules and safety protocols will be in place. Um, this is everything indoor dining is set to resume, um, close contact businesses such as barber shops and salons, uh, gyms and fitness centers. Um, you know there there are various restrictions, and uh, it's certainly going to look different. Um, and this second phase will be in place uh, at least through July, or, or at least until July, I should say. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it looks. The we're we're at a point now where the the numbers, this the the COVID nineteen data from the state continues to show this picture of uh, you know the stability really in, in hospitalizations. In the ICU numbers, in the uh, um, you know the new cases, the the positivity rate on a day to day basis has generally been in the mid to upper single digits, four point five percent some days, closer to seven percent. Yesterday, I think it was. Yeah the 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 new data just dropped right now, and the percentage is a uh, three point eight percent, three thousand two hundred twenty six tested, one hundred and twenty two positive cases. Oh wow! Okay, how many total case uh, tests was that based on? Uh, Three thousand two hundred twenty-six. Wow! So, so that's that's a particularly good day because that's you know they've some days been lower. Mm-hmm. The number of tests have dropped, especially with the holiday weekend and and there were like there were uh, sixteen new fatalities, up to six ninety-three total. Of course, our hearts go out to all those families. The currently hospitalized at two nineteen ICU is forty-seven. 33 on ventilators and uh, 1,206 hospital discharges right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the the death toll really, um, and 
Ted Nisi was asking the governor about this yesterday during the briefing. You know, it's it's kind of for all that stability and this plateau that's been seen in a lot of the underlying numbers, uh, these death numbers continue to, you know, it's in a, a fairly short span here. I, I don't know if it's a week and a half. I'd have to look back. But we've gone from, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the state hit the 500 death plateau, which is a pretty, or, or mark, which is a pretty grim milestone. But now here we sit on the, the doorstep of 700 fatalities overall um, from this crisis. So that's, uh, that does continue to be really concerning. And, and, uh, and like you said, Jake, yeah, our, our thoughts and uh, our, our sympathies go out to all of the families who are affected. Um, you know, Dr. McDonald from the health department was speaking about that a little bit yesterday and the toll and um, the governor highlighted some resources that are available for families and folks that are grieving who've lost people. Um, so I know, I know it's a bit of a lagging indicator of the death numbers and, uh, um, there are other reasons why certain days there are big spikes and some of these deaths may be, you know, kind of slow to the tally. So, it, uh, you know, just the, the number of deaths on a given day doesn't necessarily indicate the full picture. But um, to have lost that many Rhode Islanders in such a short period of time, again, as I, the point I think I've made before and others have made um, prior to that, it's, it's just, you know, on any given day, nowhere near that many people or die on a given day in this state. And, uh, you know, any, any, any reason that, uh, causes such an enormous loss of life, um, relatively speaking is, is really, it's really bad stuff. So, uh, but there are like, you know, reasons for reasons for optimism. Hopefully the, uh, you know, uh, as we're moving into phase two, you know, the opening of phase one, what about a little less than three weeks ago now, I think it was, um, there were concerns, you know, that doing that and starting to loosen things would lead to spikes in the data. Obviously haven't seen that. Um, this is a whole new level of reopening. So it'll be a couple of weeks, I guess, before we get the full picture, but it, it is really encouraging that, um, as we begin to loosen restrictions that we're not seeing, uh, um, you know, the strain on the healthcare system, um, jump and, you know, hopefully there's there's reason for some confidence at this point. Uh, we are prepared for that eventuality. Hopefully, again, that it doesn't that it doesn't come. Um, so there's plenty more to come on the on on the crisis and uh, you know where the state stands. And um, we'll be with you as we continue to move forward with the reopening process and, uh, and see how things shape up on the more local level. Um, give a quick look at what's going on at Cranston. It was another uh, busy week politically and, and uh, in terms of local government. Um, the city council adopted a, uh, a budget um, on Wednesday night. There had been some uncertainty over whether they were going to proceed with the vote, but um, at the urging, the, the, the Mayor Fung's administration has really pushed the need to get a budget in place so that they can issue tax bills for the first quarter of the next fiscal year in a timely manner. Um, they explain that as being uh, pretty vital because the city structures a lot of its debt service payments for July um, in anticipation of a lot of revenue coming in, you know, especially like, uh, you know, corporate um, property owners and stuff. A lot of them pay property taxes up front. So it's the biggest revenue month for the city in that way. And so they structure debt payments in that way. So the, the city's finance director, Bob Strom, was talking about um, concerns over cash flow 
if the tax bills were delayed. Um, the council kind of, and this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out in other communities, I think. Um, a lot of the issue had to do with the uncertainty around uh, state aid uh, for the city schools, um, which is uh, was based on pre-pandemic projections to increase by more than $4 million, about $4.1 million in the coming year. Obviously, at this point, there's you know no guarantee that uh, any or all of that additional money makes its way to to the city schools from the state. So, um, what the city council did to avoid being uh, in a in a bad place and potentially being on the hook for that that money, um, uh, basically removed it from the budget at this point from the school district's budget. So, the district is left in a little bit of limbo in the the next few weeks. Um, to see whether and to what degree that state money materializes, obviously hoping that it's the full figure and then the budget can just be adjusted to reflect it. Um, but it was interesting that how they, they, to me, how they settled on that as a, uh, um, a way to move forward. And I wonder if that will be a model for other places or um, it'll just be interesting to see how other municipalities kind of address this issue because I'm sure many others are dealing with it as well. Um, had some political news in Cranston as well. Um, War two councilman Paul McCauley. As I say this, I realized that we did mention this last week because he uh, this broke before we reported last week. But um, had a full story in print this week about his decision not to seek re-election um, on on Monday. A uh, another uh, or excuse me on Tuesday, another candidate um, announced uh, for city council Larry Warner, a Democrat, currently works with the United Way. He is. Uh, a former Providence firefighter and, and has some other credentials on his resume. He has uh, announced um, his plan to seek a citywide seat on the council. So uh, that will be interesting. Um, that leaves, uh, uh, we'll see how those those positions shape up um, the council races. There's only a few weeks to go. The candidacy, be, candidacy declaration period arrives in late June. So there's not that much time left for, for the field to take shape. So we'll be uh, watching that keenly. Um, elsewhere this week, I know in the Warwick Beacon, um, John Howell, our editor and publisher, had some stories on um, uh, summer camps, which is another aspect of the state's reopening here. The governor's eyeing, I believe it was June 29th, um, allowing summer camps in some way. Um, so John had a look at how the Boys and Girls Clubs and the YMCA are approaching that issue. Um, there's also a lengthy story in this week's Beacon about the Warwick budget picture. Their hearing process is going on right now. They're the city council's budget hearings in Warwick. So John's uh, been covering those. I know they've been going long on uh, um, the virtual meetings this week. Um, obviously, we had the Memorial Day holiday. Jake, I know you had a great story about uh, how one local veterans organization um approached uh, the holiday they the operation stand down based in johnston typically does this large boots on the ground um uh memorial which is pretty striking they've had it at roger williams park in the past i know it was moved to it was planned to move to fort adams this year or had it moved to fort adams last year i forget but they had to move online um Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you are correct. They had to move online to uh, online. Yeah, they had to move online last year. They did move to Fort Adams. It was previously held at Roger Williams. 
And right. uh, this time around, obviously, they couldn't do it because there's just too many people there. I think it was, I think it's over 10,000 people come to this every year uh, in total. So what ended up happening was Executive Director Eric Wallen, Del- Development Director Dia Quattro, and Gold Star Mom Lynn St. Germain, they all came together, spoke during this video. Uh, the 29 boots representing the Rhode Island Fallen with a Rhode Island flag in the middle. There was a nice video done by, I believe it was Ben DeCastro. They all, um, uh, they read off the names of all the, the Fallen. They had a nice picture come across for all of them. And Eric Wallen rang a bell every time. And then actually when uh, Lynn's son came across, they, uh, they, they kind of cut the video and showed her ringing the bell. But it was very nice. Uh, it was a very, very nice video. It's not too long if you want to go check it out. It's on the Operation Stand Down Rhode Island Facebook page. Uh, it's about eight minutes long, so it really won't take that much of your time. And uh, I, I really recommend it. So I mean, it was a great video. It was very well done. And it's just a testament to the, the resilience that they showed in, in the face of this. And obviously, you can't have all these people come together during this. So it's nice that they, they were able to do something to honor these heroes. And, and you know, it, it was it's a very, very nice gesture by uh, OSDRI. It's it's what they're what they're known for now. It's, it's, it's such a great event. Yeah. That's great. I know, and this memorial is specifically focused on. For, correct me if I'm wrong, but on those lost uh, in the the wars following September 11th. Yeah, the war on terror. Yep. Yeah, and so there's 29 Rhode Islanders. Was it? I forget the precise number from your story, but um, yes, it was 20. Yep. 29. Oh, yep. So 29 Rhode Islanders lost, and and all additional uh, folks across the nation. So no, that's really that's that's a great thing. Um, that they do every year, and I'm glad they found a way to make it happen this year as well. Um, I know in Cranston at Maine Middle School, they also have a pretty celebrated annual Memorial Day observance that obviously couldn't go forward this year as planned, but they also did a uh, an online tribute that was uh, very well done, so I'd urge people to check that out as well. Um, so going forward here, we uh, Jake, I know... Shortly, you'll be speaking with Joe Policina Jr., a mayor, a member of the Johnstontown Council. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's in store with that discussion? Absolutely, we're going to be talking a little bit, a little bit of state stuff, a little bit of local stuff. Uh, we'll talk about the budget. He does, you know, work up at the state house. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some local Johnson stuff, kind of how Johnson's going to get back uh, to some semblance of normalcy. His outdoor dining policy that he came up with uh, that they passed in the the previous month in May. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, get a little bit into the political wins as uh, to steal a term from the Cranston Herald. <laughs> it's that time of year. The political winds are certainly blowing, and I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on that. Yes, and he, he will have the honor of being, I believe, our first uh, real Johnston-centric guest. So that's a so. Uh, kudos for that. Um, so, all right, great. We'll go to your uh, chat with Joe Policina Jr., and then uh, we'll come back for a brief wrap-up. Welcome back in to Radio Beacon. I'm joined by the Johnson Town Council Vice President, is uh, Joe Policina Jr. Joe, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So uh, we'll just dive right in. You know, you're a legislative council up at the state house, so you're you know familiar with the goings on up there, and you're obviously very tied into the Johnson scene. So I want to get your perspective. Rhode Island faces a pretty steep um, revenue hill. You know, it's about an 800 million dollar hole in the budget overall. And it's one of the biggest holes. I, I spoke to uh, Steve Ucci, uh, a couple other representatives at the State House. It's one of the biggest holes they've seen in a long time, if ever. 
So what do you think are some of the keys that are going to go into kind of trying to fill those budget gaps uh, going into the budget season? Well, so I think it's going to have to be both a combination of cuts and it's going to be a combination of as well as raising revenue. So, you know, there's a few different ways that you can raise revenue, obviously. Tax increase is the first and foremost that comes to mind. Um, But there's also other ways that you can raise revenue. Um, I'm a big proponent of legalizing uh, marijuana for recreational use. So that's something um, that's kind of like an instantaneous shot in the arm in the short term. Uh, There's another short-term remedy, which I think would be a good idea. I don't know if it's supported by the governor or leadership at the state house, but I also think uh, online gambling for the state would also be an additional revenue booster. Um, And this is in addition to the online sports betting that they have now where you go down to Twin River, set up your account, and then you can place the bets through your phone, through the mobile app. Um, I think if they did online gaming, that would be another kind of shot in the arm. Obviously, it wouldn't get them to, I think, the $900 shortfall that they have, but that would be a start. Yeah, I know that number is number's pretty fluid. So in, in terms of you know how big that hole is, do you think there might be, obviously I'm not asking you to look into a crystal ball, but do you think there might be more of an appetite for something like legalizing marijuana or on, you know more online gambling with you know, trying to fill these revenue gaps? Um, to be honest, I don't know. So I know that uh, leadership, they've been hesitant to legalize marijuana recreationally, and you know they have the view that wait and see. I know when uh, the governor was doing her campaign for re-election, she still had the wait-and-see approach. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's specific data that they're looking for, if they're kind of trying to see what happens with Massachusetts, or if they're trying to compile, because it's been out for a few years now, data from Colorado. Um, I don't know what they're looking for. Mm. They're they're looking for something with their wait-and-see approach. Um, but, you know, that would, that would be a decision that they would have to make. But I, I do know that they keep saying, you know, wait-and-see, wait-and-see. So on a more local level, obviously you introduced the, the ordinance to allow for temporary outdoor dining in Johnson for all the restaurants once that became permitted uh, in, in the phases here as we reopen. So from your perspective, what are some of the keys that Rhode Island needs to follow as we reopen the economy and the pandemic? You know, it seems like we're kind of going down the curve a little bit in terms of hospitalizations and positive cases. So what are some of the keys to reopening the economy in Rhode Island safely? So I think um, what the governor is doing, she has the right idea when it comes to the slow reopening. Um, but it's just, to me, it's, it's kind of go by the rule of common sense. And obviously, we listen to what the medical experts have to say. Um, but I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't she have um, with the salons reopening that you have to go outside to do blow drying or something to that effect? Um, yeah. you know, so that's something that I kind of think. Um, you know, I'm not in agreement with. To me, it, it's you just go there, get your hair cut, keep a mask on if you can, and just stay safe. You go home uh, if you want to. Take your clothes off before you get in if you're really worried about it, and then take a shower, you know. Um, so, again, I think it kind of goes by the rule of common sense. Um, obviously, no large gatherings, and I'm, I'm affected by that because uh, my fiancé and I, we had a wedding actually planned uh, in September, and that's not going to happen because we were looking at about like 120 people coming. And we understand that, you know, this is a once in a century event. And we understand that we're hoping for a small wedding where we can probably do maybe like uh, anywhere between one and two dozen people come September. 
And that's more of in line with, again, going with the common sense approach. Um, there are things that not the governor has done. I'm just using this as an example of when it comes to common sense. Um, but I saw the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, he came out with his um, his boating rules and regulations where it was, it uh, doesn't matter if you own the boat, if you're a family, no more than two people on a boat. And I under, I saw a reporter, they said, well, what if you're a family of four? You have um, a husband, a wife, and two kids. You can't take all four of them out on the boat. He said, no, you can only take two. And to me, it, you know, it doesn't make sense because if you took, in that example, um, you took the father and then you took the oldest child out and you left the youngest child out and you left the mother at home. I mean, obviously, when the father and the oldest child come back, they're going to be in contact with the youngest child and the mother. So that's just an example of what I see kind of like just doesn't coincide with common sense. And on a more local level, and Johnson, what are some of the things that, obviously, you did the, the outdoor dining already. What are some of the other things you're looking at in Johnson in terms of reopening things there? Um, we're kind of just following um, the governor's guidelines. So with Town Hall, we had, uh, dissimilar to other municipalities, we had kept Town Hall uh, open. It was by appointment only when all this first hit. Now Town Hall is fully open, so it's very important to us to keep all of our government offices open so we can still provide services for the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. As far as local businesses, you know, that's something that the governor would have to say on. I know that in Johnston, um, I don't want to speak for other people, but I just know for myself that she used to kind of let all these ancillary businesses open up, um, you know, tanning salons and things like that, and just mm-hmm. limit the capacity and just do heavy cleaning. And I think uh, in the end, um, it'll all be determined by the consumer. If you're someone that feels confident enough to go out and eat, whether that be outside or inside, uh, it's a choice that you should make. If you don't feel confident enough to go to a local restaurant and eat outside or inside, then again, that's your right. That's a choice that you would want to make. So I guess just in summation, we want to start letting these businesses open, and then the consumer can make the choice of whether or not they want to patron that. Establishment. On a bit of a lighter note, you know, something I've noticed over the past you know year or so is that you're really the only Johnson political representative of any kind that is active on social media, at least on Twitter, and really the only. So I'm wondering, kind of, what what do you see as the role of social media today? What what do you see as kind of the importance of it nowadays? Um, I use social media kind of on a personal level. So if you follow me, you know, I tweet a lot about sports. Um, I try to sprinkle in some politics there. Uh, what I don't do and what I really don't like, and I'm not naming anybody specific, just in general, and I get people use it as a tool um, for their job. But just when politicians um, use social media kind of as uh, not to share anything personal on there. And when I say personal, I don't mean like you know, intimate details of your life, but it's just solely tweeting about politics, 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 where it kind of seems like, the person's not even doing it. Um, it seems like, you know, a staffer or somebody else that works for them is doing it. Um, you know, I, obviously, I'm just a councilman. I run my own Twitter account, and I try to just act as I normally would, whether I was in politics or out. Um, you know, I'm careful with what I say on there because, you know, you have to be really sensitive to who you could offend. Um, but as you see with following me, I just I act just normal on Twitter how I would... Uh, I basically, everything I post on Twitter, I would post even if I wasn't in politics. Right. And, you know, speaking of that politics, just as a, a, as a kind of a side question here, 
you know, this is your first term on the council. You're the vice president. Just wondering, do you have any political aspirations beyond the council? Um, you know, the, the thought has crossed my mind. Um, I try to focus what I'm doing on with the council right now. And the reason why I say that is because if I don't do a good job on the council now representing District 3, then it doesn't matter what I want to run for. Uh, the people are not going to elect me. So I said that when I first joined the council, because I know there were some questions. Oh, your father's the mayor. What are you going to do? Um, I said all along, and I still say now, it's an elected position. It's not an appointed position. Anybody can run against me if they so choose. And if I'm not you know, keeping up with my constituent requests, which I think is probably the most important thing that you could do, uh, if I'm not keeping up with that, I'm not going to get reelected. So I just try to focus on helping the constituents now. And if an opportunity came up to run for another office in Johnston, you know, I would think about it, I would evaluate it, and I would see if it was a good opportunity at the time, you know, considering what was going on in my life. Finishing on a uh, super light now, I know when I follow you on Twitter, you're a big baseball fan. I believe you're a Rays fan, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, I saw you tweet the other day, and when they announced the, uh, the, the potential salary reductions for baseball players, you essentially said it's going to be KBO the rest of the year, Korean baseball for the rest of the year, because players aren't going to take that pay cut. So I just want to get from your perspective as a big baseball guy, what, do you see the MLB coming together this season? If they do, what does it look like? just want to get your perspective on that. Um, unfortunately, I don't. I think they're really far apart with where they're going. And so, I mean, the short answer, I don't. But... Kind of on a longer spectrum, I think the MLB um, really, they blew a great opportunity because, you know, even though their revenues have been rising, their ticket sales have been down, and player salaries, they've remained flat. I believe they've been about 4 $4.5 million over the past few years. They haven't gone up that average. So I thought baseball had a really good opportunity to kind of be the only show in town, you know, and people are really desperate for any kind of professional sport, any kind of professional competition. They had an opportunity to be an elite, one of the big four leagues, and have the stage to themselves, and they blew it. So, you know, it's really disappointing. You can't fault the players. Um, obviously, they feel like, you know, they're risking their health and going back during this pandemic. And the owners have a business to run. And it's just unfortunate. You know, it's like anything else, even when you're in the town. You have to try to come, you both have to make concessions. And it seems like that the concessions that each side want, they're, they're too far apart. And, you know, we're, we're just running out of time. So it's really unfortunate because I'm a huge baseball fan. As you said, baseball is my number one sport. Um, but I don't think we're going to have it this season. Joe Policino, Jr., Vice President of the Johnson Town Council. Thank you so much for joining us on Radio Beacon. Thank you, Jake. Have a good one. You too. Thank you again to Joe Policina Jr. for joining us. Um, as usual, we'll wrap up this week's edition with a, uh, brief, a brief, uh, lighter segment, a little uh, look at our uh, our recommendations uh, from the entertainment world. Uh, obviously, the the uh, stay-at-home order has been lifted, and we're moving into the reopening. So, uh, and the weather is getting much nicer, and the temperatures are rising. So, it's uh, a little less, you know being stuck at home watching TV, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue with what's been our tradition here. Jake, what's your, what's your pick of the week? 
So this is a little bit unconventional because it's a pick that hasn't even come out yet. It's actually not coming out for a couple of weeks, but I'm very excited. It's uh, The King of Staten Island. Have you seen the trailer for that? I have seen uh, some advertising for it, yeah. Yeah, it's the Pete Davidson, Steve Buscemi, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr vehicle. Uh, It's uh, kind of loose, very loosely based on Pete Davidson's life a little bit, but it, it looks very good. It's gotten some good reviews. One of the one of these uh, entertainment guys I follow on Twitter said it's his favorite movie of the year, which I don't know how much that says because there haven't been a lot of movies released this year. Mm. But I mean, I will say it's 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 good to be at the top of that list anyway. So uh, really, a lot of buzz surrounding the movie, and um, I'm very excited for, it, especially since I haven't been to the movies since uh, February. So it's uh, I mean, it's not going in the theaters, but it'll be nice to watch a new, freshly released movie. And kind of like go through something new rather than just watching all the old stuff that I'm so used to. But uh, I'm excited for it, especially since I'm not really a big Pete Davidson fan to begin with. But I do like Bill Burr. I do love Steve Buscemi. I love Marissa Tomei. So it's, it's a good supporting cast. And he seems like he's pretty good in it. So I'm actually relatively excited to see it. It's going to be like, it's going to be pretty good. That's it. Yeah, I was going to say, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Pete Davidson, a uh, bit of a polarizing uh, mm figure i guess but uh yeah i'd be I'd, I'd be interested to check it out i suppose what where what platform is it coming out on? it's uh coming out on demand june oh, okay. 12th that's cool yep well keep that in mind indeed i don't have anything uh as exciting i don't know this week i i finally finished the reading the uh, Watchmen graphic graphic novel uh, i've never been much of a comic book guy but uh, the hbo show the Watchmen show got me into that whole universe last uh, year, so a good friend of mine lent me uh, his copy of the book, and uh, after a couple of starts and stops, uh, I finally got it done. So I would recommend that. That was a really good read. Mm. So it's pretty cool for, especially as someone who's not really a comic book guy. It was uh, very engaging, and it's uh, I can see why it's so revered in uh, in that sphere. Um, and the other, uh, my girlfriend and I started watching kind of almost based on our, uh, I know it was mentioned in passing, I think, last week, but Veep, we started watching. Did you? Yeah. Did you? It's uh, quite funny. It is good. I do I, I do love Veep. I think uh, I watched it, as you know, I blasted through in about two and a half weeks, and uh, I, I think my, I think Jonah Ryan is probably one of my top ten favorite TV characters of all time. Like, he is... <laughs> Like one of the most lecherous people ever, but he uh, every time he's one of those characters. Where every time he's on screen, he says something that makes me burst out laughing, and yeah. it's just one of those. I mean, it's just another testament to how great of an actress and how great of a comedian Julia Louis Dreyfus is. I mean, that's now three Emmy-winning roles that she's had, and Elaine, The New Adventures of Old Christine, which I never really watched, but she won an Emmy for, and then obviously Veep, which is you know. It's not a bad thing when you have people debating back and forth who is your best Emmy-winning character. So uh, it's been a great career, for sure. It's a, it's a lot of really talented, funny people saying really terrible things to each other mm-hmm. and uh, in, in the most clever and uh, hilarious ways possible. So it's, it's a, a lot. It's a pretty lot. fun. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm, I think you guys are going to have a great time with it. It's, uh, it's, it's a very compelling story, and I think it's one of the most tightly told story arcs that you can tell across seven seasons that I think I've ever seen. So I really mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I really kind of whizzed through it. It's only, what, 60-something episodes are all a half an hour long, so you'll get through it in, in weeks' time. It's it's uh, And touching upon Watchmen, actually, it's actually sitting behind me on my bookshelf right now. And nice. I've actually never read it myself, but I, I do want to because it's, you know, one of the greatest graphic novels of all time from what everybody says. And Alan Moore is a 
bit of a character, from what I've heard. He's not really amped up about any live-action adaptation of his comic, but I don't think he has control over that. So that's why we've seen all these things, the movie and then the TV series. But it's uh, it's definitely a great great couple of pop culture things you got yourself into there. Yeah, I was I was glad to finally finish the uh, the Watchmen book. It just kind of languished, mm. especially as this all escalated over the last couple months. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> not particularly an uplifting novel from what I've heard. No, certainly, uh, certainly not. But it is really uh, it's really great. Yeah. And I like the the show on HBO. I know I've mentioned that before, but uh, I'd check that out as well. Mm, indeed. Well, as always. Uh, uh, check us out uh, online, Beacon Communications. We are the. Uh, I, I'm I'm rambling here a little bit. Let me try to get myself together. Beacon Communications. We are the publishers of the War of Beacon, Cranston Herald, the Johnson Sunrise, the Coventry Reminder. You can find us online at WarwickOnline.com, CranstonOnline.com, JohnsonSunrise.net. Um, worth mentioning, we did this week uh, launch uh, a new initiative and a new aspect of our. Uh, approach we have an online subscription model now um we'll be providing e-editions there'll be um you know web first coverage um new media offerings and uh and ways of telling stories such as this podcast so uh, visit our sites check us out and stay tuned um, we have a lot in store um and a lot of exciting things planned as we um, continue to uh ramp up our, our digital approach uh, as we've been trying to do throughout this crisis um, we continue to have daily coverage of the governor's briefings and the latest developments uh, in cooperation with the uh, East Bay newspapers. Kudos to them. Um, through a partnership with them, we've been doing kind of rotating coverage of the governor's briefings. Um, uh, thank you again to them for that. And check that out every day. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rody Dan K. Follow Jake on Twitter at Jacob underscore Morocco. Follow our sports editor, Alex Sponsler at a spawn 27 and you can follow our main beacon communications twitter feed at roadie beat um check us out on facebook on instagram um you can uh, this this podcast is hosted by anchor podcast you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and numerous other podcasting platforms um kudos again to my friend john schmenninghoff for the music at the top of the episode um, and I guess that's about it. Am I missing anything with the spiel? Uh, no, again, just another, another shout out to you as I do every week, Dan, you're the ones kind of stewarding our, our COVID-19 coverage, especially at the press conferences and, uh, for our papers. So again, a thank you to you for, uh, for your hard work. Oh, well, thank you. And, uh, Hey, I, I hope, uh, you know, I think folks have been reading and I, I hope, uh, they're finding our coverage valuable. And uh, we continue to, you know, as we focus on Rhode Island, such a unique state, you know, being able to the, the state level and the local level is, uh, you know, it's right next door. You know, it's a, a position like ours affords us a really kind of unique, I think, um, position compared to a lot of other local newsrooms around the country to to really kind of have a direct um, connection with with the state level while we keep that our, our feet firmly uh, planted on on the community level. So um, we're trying to be as comprehensive as we can. And we hope uh, we thank uh, Thank all of our readers as always for their support. So um, with that, Jake, thanks so much. Hope all of you out there have a great week and we'll talk to you next Friday. <laughs>